the May 23rd through June 5th issue of New York Magazine features this headline. This magazine can help you get an abortion, a state-by-state handbook for anyone in need. This abortion guide tells readers how to evade the law when attempting to kill their unborn baby while in a state that protects unborn babies. In partnership with The Cut, which is a far-left online publication and media company that I don't recommend you visit, this abortion guide also provides an online tool to allow users to search by zip code for abortion providers, clinics, hospitals, and independent OBGYNs, as well as abortion funds, transportation options, and information for remote resources like the abortion pill by mail, which I call abortion pill kills or mail order murder. This is the ultimate example of technology gone awry, of technology being used by evil people to further the culture of death. And this will be the new chapter and the new season of the abortion wars. This will be the push by progressives and leftists and abortion-minded groups to expand abortion, potentially in numbers even beyond what we're seeing now, through their push for the abortion pill. And this is a signal and a sign of how intense this battle is going to get because of how devoted the abortion devotees are to protecting and ensuring their greatest sacrament. Buckle up, we're in for a battle. I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. Welcome to the show today, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. I am coming to you from on the road again uh, today, repping a USA Turning Point USA shirt as a new ambassador for Turning Point. Uh, and if you want to go shop at the Turning Point USA slash merch store, you can use my code Seth Gruber. Um, no spaces, all lowercase for a discount on your gear. Very grateful to Turning Point and my friend Charlie Kirk for teaming up with me and so many others who are devoted to contending for truth and life in the public square. So thank you for tuning in today. If you're a new listener to the show, we give the, radio, uh, the show a rating and review. We really appreciate it. Uh, lots of growth in this podcast right now, especially as abortion is a hot issue, and we want people to be educated correctly, encouraged, and inspired to stand for life in this moment. So give us five stars, leave us a review, let us know what you think. So New York Magazine has just published, as of a couple days ago, an abortion handbook on how to get illegal abortions. This sounds so dystopic and so Orwellian um, that it, it almost has to be true, right, in today's political discourse. Something this strange uh, could only be true in the nature of our politics today and with the obsession that the secular culture has in defending abortion. So according to New York Magazine on the website, New York Magazine published its first guide to where and how to find abortion services in New York in 1972, the year before Roe versus Wade made abortion legal in all 50 states. Now in 2022, it's clear these resources are more relevant than ever, says Lindsay Peoples, editor-in-chief of The Cut. I'm incredibly proud of the Cut team for introducing this exhaustively researched guide as both a print and digital endeavor. My goal for the Cut is always to be a resource for what women need, and we are committed to making this guide available for free for all who need them. So the Cut has teamed up with New York Magazine, and the Cut is sort of providing a lot of the digital side of things with this abortion search tool to find your local um, baby-killing uh, center as well as support to pay for that 
abortion. And I, I want to point out, though, it's very interesting. In all of the coverage you'll see, and I'm, I'm seeing on this new abortion handbook, both New York Magazine and the folks over at The Cut keep referring to women. And she said it right here, Lindsay Peoples, editor-in-chief of The Cut. She said um, that my goal is to make it a resource for what women need. But then in the same documentation and in the same publication, they refer to birthing people. So once again, we're at this hilarious crossroads in the secular progressive movement to ask this question, what is a woman, right? You want to provide this for women. You're providing a resource for women's rights, women's bodily autonomy, where women can go to get illegal abortions if Roe v. Wade is overturned, but you also refer to them as birthing people. So what the hell is a woman? Uh, the, the question for a generation. And I encourage you to go check out The Daily Wire's new wonderful documentary with Matt Walsh <laughs> entitled Just That, What is a Woman? But this is an important point I want to make about this piece and about this last line here from Lindsay Peoples, the editor-in-chief of The Cut. She says, we're committed to making this guide available for free for all who need them. This is very important, okay? We need to open up the show by making this point because you're going to see more and more of this in the abortion wars in the next several years. The push of the secular progressive movement and the abortion industry, but I repeat myself, to provide abortions for free. The motivations of the abortion kooky warrior, okay, the abortion devotee, is not merely financial. It's ideological. It's very important for us to understand this because for a long time, the pro-life movement, the conservative movement have referred to the sort of the financially driven or financially obsessed abortion industry, right, that they're all about making money. Yes, they are about making money. Of course, abortion's a very profitable business. Killing little babies so that their parents can have orgasms without responsibility turns out to actually be a very profitable business. However, their drive is not merely financial, and I would venture to say that there is a broad swath of abortion warriors, of molex serviles, okay, of abortophiles who actually are driven more by ideology than by wealth, than by money. They are true activists in every sense of the word who believe in the morality and righteousness of their cause. And this makes them far more dangerous, doesn't it? Because when ideology drives you more than wealth, you will stop at nothing to achieve your ends, right? And even if you have to take financial hits to further your commitment to your ideology, so be it. That That's not a sacrifice. That is an opportunity to prove your convictions. So we need to understand this about some of the leaders in the abortion industry, like Lindsay Peoples, the editor-in-chief of The Cut, which is one of the most pro-abortion publications in sort of the secular progressive revolution today, is that they are driven far more by ideological uh, assumptions and commitments than they are by money. And this makes them incredibly dangerous because they'll lay it all on the line. And even when it doesn't make financial sense and they're upside down financially, they don't freaking care. It reminds me of C.S. Lewis's line, right? Of all the tyrannies, a tyranny exercised for the good of its victims may be the most oppressive. He says, it may be better to live under robber barons than under omnipotent moral busybodies because the robber baron's cruelty may sometimes sleep. His cupidity may at some point be satiated, but those who torment us for our own good will torment us without end, for they do so with the approval of their own conscience.
Do you understand? The robber baron, the financially wealth-driven criminal, may at some point be satiated in his immoral activities. (laughs) But those who torment you for your own good will never stop, (laughs) for they do so with the approval of their own conscience. And these people murder the unborn with the approval of their own conscience. They will tyrannize both the unborn and the born in order to protect the fictional right to kill babies in the womb and damn anyone who dissents from their regime. So consider what this means for the future of the abortion fight. It means that we on the conservative side of the aisle, because let's be honest, we're going to need more than just the pro-life movement and the organizations that make up that movement. We're going to need a groundswell of conservative Americans, of patriot, life-loving, liberty-loving Americans who are willing to actually be in sacrificing to protect the right to life of the unborn. And sacrifice, by its very definition, is sometimes not comfortable. It requires getting uncomfortable, something that the the abortion devotees are comfortable with doing, comfortable with getting uncomfortable because it's how much they care about abortion. If we don't begin evidencing the same level of commitment for life that the other side has in their commitment to death, we may never finally end and overturn abortion in America. So it's a very important point for you to understand. If you ever scratched your head and going, why are, why are these abortion groups doing these things for free? I thought they were financially driven. Not necessarily. So this handbook includes six articles to create a one-stop shop, if you will, for all abortion-related lies and strategies leading into a post-Roe America. They're predicting with assurance um, that Roe versus Wade will get overturned. It'll go back to the states, and maybe up to half the states might have almost up to abortion bans. And so they want to do all that they can to prepare America's women who who will be living under a theocratic... Christian regime that is going to be imposing Christian hierarchy onto women's bodies, right? They want to prepare women for, for what, they're, what they view as sort of the tyranny of the right to life of unborn children because that compromises, compromises their selfish lifestyle. So I want to spend the majority of the time on this show touching on the first two of these articles, and then we'll quickly fly through the last few. But it's made up of six articles. Uh, and the first segment of this is that abortion tool finder, that digital tool created by Cut. But here's the, what the first article is called, okay? And you can find all this in New York Magazine. It's called How to Have a Medication Abortion where to find the pill and what to expect. The authors are Rebecca Grant and Elizabeth Isadora Gold. And here's their claim in this piece where they talk about finding medication abortion, how to get it, how safe it is, how wonderful it is, some things to be aware of, you know, et cetera, et cetera. They claim, quote, research shows a self-managed abortion with pills is safe and effective. A self-managed abortion with pills is safe and effective. Of course, you might be asking safe for whom? Obviously not safe for the unborn child, but that's never what they mean by the word safe. They only mean for the mother because they have no concern, shocker, for the life of the baby. Now, reminder, last year, the Biden administration removed the Federal and Drug Administration, the FDA's REMS requirement on RU486, the risk evaluation and mitigation strategy on RU486. Really briefly, by the way, before I remind you about what the safety regulations were on the sale of the abortion pill, why the name RU486? By the way, that is the abortion pill. It's the same thing, RU486. 
the abortion pill or medication abortion. It all refers to RU486. Where does this name come from? On, on just a brief aside, because it's an interesting point of history. RU486. What's RU? Well, essentially, the, the the here's the story. The same people who created the poison to kill babies through RU486 created the poison to kill Jews in the Holocaust. Yes, once again, shocker, there's always a nasty history to bigotry. There's always a nasty history to the eugenics and racism of the abortion industry and how friendly they have been in palling around with, with Nazi sympathizers, Holocaust sympathizers, and racists. Here's the story. The French endocrinologist Etienne-Emile Ballou developed the abortion pill and worked as a consultant for Rusal Uklaf. R. Rusal Uklaf, U R U 486, Rusal Uklaf in the 1980s. Rusal Uklaf's majority shareholder at the time was a company called Hookst AG. All right, what was Hookst AG? Hookst AG emerged from the breakup of the German chemical company known as IG Farben. IG Farben, if you don't know, was famous for manufacturing the cyanide gas known as Zyklon B, which was used in the gas chambers of the Nazi death camps. So Hookst AG and Russell Uklaf simply turned from creating poison to kill Jews to creating poison to kill babies. Yes, there's the nasty history of RU486. But last year, the Biden administration removed the safety regulations on the sale of the abortion pill. The safety regulations said that you couldn't get the abortion pill in the mail, right, snail mail. You had to have a in-person evaluation by a physician before getting the abortion pill. Why? In order to rule out ectopic pregnancies or tubal pregnancies and in order to ensure the correct gestational age of the baby or what they call the pregnancy. Here's why it's important to make sure that the woman doesn't have an ectopic pregnancy. An ectopic pregnancy is when the baby implants in the fallopian tube rather than the uterus. And so as that baby grows, it makes the fallopian tube expand. Left untreated, the fallopian tube bursts, the baby dies, and mom bleeds out internally. So you have to diagnose this and figure this out in order to, to make sure that women don't unnecessarily die and we don't have a way to save the baby yet that is uh, um, implanted um, in the fallopian tube. We cannot remove that that baby. And so when women take the abortion pill, the symptoms they experience, the cramping and the pressure, is very similar to the symptoms you experience when you have an ectopic pregnancy. But if you don't require an in-person evaluation before getting the abortion pill, then the medical professionals and the woman can't rule out whether she has an ectopic pregnancy or not, which means that women will unnecessarily die from ectopic pregnancies that weren't confirmed or discovered because the abortion industry and the Democrat Party wants to get rid of and has gotten rid of the very safety regulations that would have found those women with ectopic pregnancies uh, to save their life. Okay, So as her pain increases and her tubal pregnancy gets closer to rupturing, causing her to bleed to death from the inside, she sits at home thinking, oh, well, they told me this is normal. Okay, so there's an obvious danger there. And if you look at the number of pregnancies that are ectopic pregnancies, and we did this calculation once with Dr. Brent Bowles, our in-house OBGYN here at Unaborted, and you look at the number of pregnancies that are ectopic and where the abortion industry wants to be with mail-order abortions, you would have six or more ectopic pregnancies per day. 
six or more ectopic pregnancies per day rupturing in the United States for women who were given the abortion pills via the postal service instead of getting a one-minute in-person evaluation. Six a day. So when the abortion industry tells you we care about women and their lives and safe abortion, then why would they remove the safety regulations on the sale of the abortion pill, which will inevitably lead to six or more women dying a day from undiagnosed ectopic pregnancies that could have easily been diagnosed. Why? Well, the answer is clear. Because by selling abortions via snail mail, they'd increase their profits, they eliminate the need for brick-and-mortar abortion centers, they eliminate the need to pay the third-party vendors that come with the hazardous waste buckets to take away the dead baby in mutilated bodies, they eliminate the need for abortionists, which is a career path not many choose, and sometimes they have to fly abortionists around the country to cover clinics where they don't have enough abortionists to provide those quotas unquote services, and they eliminate all of these um, expenses where they can maximize their sales of the abortion with a pill that's cheap to manufacture and that you can sell at high margins. Oh, that's obviously the answer, right? Um, so that is the importance of the risk evaluation mitigation strategy, the safety regulations that were on the sale of the abortion pill before the Biden administration last year got rid of those, damning women with ectopic pregnancies who procure abortions to die. Now, again, once again, abortion's not wrong because it endangers women's life or health. It's wrong because it kills a baby. But if the abortion industry wanted to prove that they, they they're sole interest was the lives and health of women's bodies, then they would have supported keeping the safety regulations in place. And the second reason for the safety regulations is to confirm gestational age. According to a committee opinion from ACOG, right, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, an incredibly pro-abortion group, according to a committee opinion from them on dating pregnancies, up to 50% of women, up to 50% of women will be wrong about their gestational age when relying on recall of their last menstrual period. And this is confirmed by OBGYNs I speak to when I ask them, it, 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 at any uh, segment of time in the number of women you're treating at your practice, what percentage of them were wrong in, their, in the um, dating of their pregnancy and to, to what extent? And I've heard about half of them could be anywhere from um, – one week to five weeks off. Well, the abortion pill is only taken through 10 weeks. The RU486 only taken through 10 weeks. So what happens when a woman thinks that she's uh, eight weeks along, but she's 12 weeks along? She thinks she's nine weeks along, but she's 13 weeks along. Taking it past 10 weeks can lead to incomplete abortions. The baby will probably still die, but you're left with floating dead baby pieces in mom's uterus, making mom susceptible to sepsis and death. Do they care about the women who will who will die because of that? No, of course not. Um and then lastly, regarding ectopic pregnancies, women who are in rural America, who may be an hour or more from a hospital, um, when they their tubal pregnancy, when their fallopian tube ruptures, uh, there's no time to even get that woman to a hospital to maybe save her life, uh, damning those women to death as well. Okay, so the Biden administration, the abortion industry supported removing those safety regulations, but that's what the abortion pill is. It's a two-regimen pill, mifepristone cuts off the hormone progesterone, without which the lining of the uterus breaks down and the baby starved to death. Misoprostol is taken up to a day or two later and forces your uterus to have contractions and you have an abortion on the toilet. The baby's dumped out into the toilet and Planned Parenthood has been recorded as telling women to flush and don't look. So does this mail order abortion sound safe and effective? 
right? According to New York Magazine, research shows a self-managed abortion with pills is safe and effective. Does that sound safe and effective? By the way, one more huge point. There is no way to ensure that the person requesting the abortion pills online via telemedicine is the pregnant woman in question. So this allows degenerate boyfriends, parents, and traffickers to force women to have abortions. Telemedicine appointments, wherein you get the abortion pill shipped to your house, doesn't allow the physician to control the environment of the room or know who is hovering behind the computer screen, as many traffickers use abortions to keep their quote-unquote slaves active. Their sex slaves, if they get pregnant, got to have them them an abortion so they can still be used to turn a profit. And, of course, the abortion industry doesn't care about endangering the lives of those women either. Shocker. By the way, that's only the problem with mail-order abortions. That's, that's just the problems that, that occur through mail-order abortions, telemedicine abortions, by getting rid, rid of the in-person safety regulations, okay? Um, so the abortion pill in general is not safe and incredibly dangerous, but they're going to claim that the abortion pill is safe for women. How could they make that claim? And, you, and I'm sure you've heard the abortion industry make this claim. Even if they're not talking about mail-order abortions, they say the abortion pill in general is safe for women. Um, in fact, uh, Cecile Richards, the former president of Planned Parenthood, said a few years ago in a Los Angeles Times opinion editorial that it's even safer than Tylenol and ibuprofen. And you'll hear this claim repeated by the abortion industry and elected Democrats today. So one of the requirements that the FDA imposed when they approved the abortion pill in 2000 was that Danko, the manufacturer, and that any future manufacturer report to the FDA any adverse events, even mild ones. But the manufacturer is dependent on getting a report from the abortion provider that there was a complication, right? This is how you would get the data to be able to stand on to make the claim that abortion pill is safe for women. The manufacturer has to get the abortion data regarding adverse events from the provider. So how many abortion providers are compliant with that? Uh, we don't know because no state is allowed to go in and audit records or inspect clinics. Every time we've tried as a state legislature to impose accountability on the abortion industry, the ACLU and Planned Parenthood trot it out to a friendly judge in federal court and get it blocked. So the abortion clinic, as far as information goes, is a great big black hole. We don't know what goes on inside. So there's no data that the abortion industry can point to to make these claims. Now, despite these limitations, a study was undertaken by the American Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists, or APLOG. APLOG requested the adverse event reports regarding mifepristone from the FDA. The FDA gave APLOG 6,158 pages of adverse events reports. Once again, the FDA gave the American Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists 6,158 pages of adverse event reports. Duplicate reports, reports from outside the country, or reports of data previously published were excluded. This is what APLOG did last year. This left 3,197 reports, 3,197, of which 537 had insufficient data for meaningful analysis. This left 2,660 remaining reports, 2,660. A standardized system was used to analyze the seriousness of the complications by a panel of physicians who agreed to review the records. 2,243 out of the 2,660 women required surgery to treat complications of the abortion pill. Let me say that again. 2,243 
out of the 2,660, so the vast majority of women required surgery to treat complications of the abortion pill. And more than 60% of those surgeries were done by MDs other than the ones who provided abortion services. So the women didn't go back to the abortionist. Nearly two-thirds of the women whose reported complications required surgery had to seek care outside of the abortion clinic. That means that two-thirds of the moderate and severe complications that happen that require surgery, the women are not getting the care from the abortion provider. So those adverse events were not reported to Danko, the manufacturer, by the abortion provider. Okay, So deaths occurred because of infection, anesthetic administration problems, or other drug toxicity, ruptured ectopic pregnancy, hemorrhage, suicide, possible homicide, and there was only one unknown cause of death. So there's some of the data for you. We also have some data from Finland, and Finland has better data because they have a centralized record system. So right, it's, more, it's a little bit more socialized medicine. And this shows that medication abortion is four times more likely to have an adverse event than a surgical abortion. And yet you'll hear the abortion industry say that medication abortion or the abortion pill is safer than surgical abortion. But the best data we have out of Finland actually shows that medication abortion, the pill, RU486, is four times more dangerous than surgical abortion. Finland studied the data comparing medical to surgical. Almost 50,000 women were evaluated, and that's where the fourfold increase in complications for medical versus surgical came in. And their chemical abortions were all under seven weeks in this data set. Our complication and death rate will skyrocket and is skyrocketing, but it will be impossible to predict or to know by how much because of the lack of data. So, okay, so that's the first article in this piece from this handbook on how to get illegal abortions from New York Magazine. As they say, research shows a self-managed abortion with pills is safe and effective. So, by the way, what does that tell you about the abortion industry? They're just as willing to sacrifice the lives of the women they say they exist to serve as the unborn children in order to protect abortion access, to offer unborn babies and their mothers on the altar of abortion abortion access because the abortion pill enables them, as I said earlier, to make way more money and, and also um, exercise these abortions illegally because you can, you can send them via snail mail um, through the postal service and it's very hard to track, right? And you can send them from usually coming out of places in India into any state in the country. And so given the data that we have, the abortion industry is aware of this data. They don't care that it harms and leads to increased death of women that they say they exist to protect and serve because they're their a true service is to Moloch, is to abortion. The second article in this um, handbook from New York Magazine is called How to Protect Yourself When Seeking an Abortion by authors uh, uh, Bindu Bansinath and Katie Heaney. Um, so it's called How to Protect Yourself When Seeking an Abortion. Isn't that an interesting headline? How to Protect Yourself When Seeking an Abortion. Imagine this headline in 1850. How slave owners can protect themselves when lynching their slaves in states that ban slavery. <laughs> it would be an incredibly bigoted headline because the, the, the very person who's endangered is the slave. The very person who's endangered is the baby. And you're talking about protecting yourself? While murdering someone, it's a very weird headline. Of course, it's a headline that assumes the unborn child is not a full human being without arguing for it. And one head, subheadline in this piece is called, When Seeking an Abortion Could Land You in Jail. These are the steps you can take to protect yourself from legal scrutiny. So here, here's what they say. By the way, I need to talk to a lawyer about this. This may be illegal. I'm not sure. I don't know if you're allowed to coach people 
into how to break the law and avoid legal scrutiny and publish that information online. I feel like we should have laws against that, or perhaps we do. But here's what they say. The entire article focuses on how to evade the law when attempting to kill your unborn baby while in a jurisdiction where abortion is illegal. Step number one. Going incognito isn't enough. They recommend opting for tracking prevention in your settings on your computer or phone so no one knows you were searching for when, for where and how to get an abortion. Step two, turn off face ID. They say the state can't compel you to turn over a password, but putting in a fingerprint or a face ID is considered a physical rather than a testimonial act. And a court or law enforcement can, can compel you to unlock your phone using either method. Step number three, talk in person or over the phone. When discussing possibly sensitive, they call it sensitive, I think that's called illegal, possibly illegal plans, avoid making calls or texts or emails or use Signal, the encrypted messaging service app. Step four, delete your period or fertility app. They say uh, this uh, cybersecurity expert, Eva Galperin, says, I don't recommend creating a paper trail having to do with your fertility or your health information. Step number five, leave your phone at home when you can. And step number six, pay with cash, right, to, to be paper-free. Leave no paper trail. Okay, so so just some of the coaching going on that, again, might break the law. I don't know if you're allowed to do this. But just look at how much time and attention the abortion industry puts into protecting and promoting abortion. Oh, oh, for Christians and churches in America to have as much commitment and strategic time of vote attending abortion as the other side does to protecting it. The next article in this piece is called The, the Crisis Pregnancy Center Trap and how not to fall for it. Okay, here comes the smearing of pregnancy resource centers, right? You know how much the abortion industry hates pregnancy resource centers and smears them as fake medical clinics because they actually provide all the choices and support for women who choose to exercise their choice in choosing life for their unborn children. The author is Claire Lampin. By the way, pray for all these authors. I mean, what what lost, sad, tragic lives they must live. Um, by the way, no one calls them crisis pregnancy centers anymore. Nobody's used that term for years. We call them pregnancy resource centers or pregnancy help centers. Um, crisis pregnancy centers, CPC, is a term that was more used sort of in the 80s and 90s. Just shows how out of touch they are. And so here's from the article. Websites that ask you if you are pregnant and feeling overwhelmed or looking for an abortion without actually allowing you to schedule one, uh, you may see abortion mentioned only in the context of risks, or you may see just a flurry of free services, pregnancy tests, ultrasounds, and counseling, all at zero cost. So they're warning you how to identify a crisis pregnancy center. But if a site or a center offers only free services, says Andrea Schwarzendruber, an associate professor at the University of Georgia's College of Public Health, it may be a sign that you found your way to a crisis pregnancy center, a sham medical practice designed to lure people considering abortions and pressure them into birth. <laughs> By the way, of course, pre pregnancy resource centers want to save unborn children and love their mothers. Uh, but at the end of the day, they do respect the choice she makes. They follow up with her, but they can't, they can't force her into giving birth, obviously. Often, Schwarzendruber explains, there aren't telltale signs to differentiate a real clinic from a fake one, but there could be hints. CPCs traffic and disinformation. If you see anything about abortion reversal, says Shoemaker, that would be a CPC. The same goes for holding up trauma, post-abortion syndrome, or connections between breast cancer and abortion as facts, she adds. Okay, so they're coaching people how to identify these fake health clinics. By the way, isn't it funny when the abortion industry talks about misinformation? Misinformation? You want to talk about misinformation? 
Like my friend Mark Newman says, you mean like when I go to Planned Parenthood's website and I research aspiration abortion, they never mention what's being aspirated? Planned Parenthood calls it pregnancy tissue? Pregnancy tissue sounds like disinformation, folks, because there's no such thing as pregnancy tissue. Pregnancy is not a thing. Pregnancy is not a thing. It's a condition. Conditions don't have tissue. Creatures or beings have tissues. So what is the tissue that you have when you are pregnant? (laughs) Well, if you're a human being, you're pregnant with another human being. So that's human tissue. (laughs) <laughs> right. So so pregnancy tissue, these terms they use, that would be called misinformation. By the way, the um, California Medicine, which is a publication, uh, a pro-abortion leaning publication back in the 70s before Roe v. Wade was passed, um, acknowledged the the real scientific information about the humanity of the unborn child. OK. And uh, and, and they spoke to the self-evident nature of of the pro-life position. It's, it's, it's astounding when you read the admissions of the pro-abortion industry regarding when human life begins. And they said that, um, that, that human life begins at conception and, it's, and whether intra or extra uterine, it's a continuous process from the moment of conception. They admitted that back in 1970 and they favored abortion. So, so the abortion groups, the abortion industry, they all know it's a human being, right? That's why they have to harvest their organs, very specific organs, by the way, to sell on the black market. If it's not a human being, why are you targeting very explicit human organs for sale after you profit off of killing the baby? So it's funny when they talk about misinformation, but they specifically are referring to the abortion pill reversal, which they label misinformation, right? They say they traffic in misinformation. And the abortion industry calls the abortion pill reversal misinformation. They call it a conspiracy theory theory. And they say it's actually dangerous to women. Now, what is the abortion pill reversal? Uh, Guys, it's just the hormone progesterone. That's the hormone that gets cut off when you take mifepristone or mifeprex, the first regimen of the abortion pill. Without progesterone, the lighting of the uterus breaks down and the baby starves to death. So abortion pill reversal is just progesterone. And by the way, this natural hormone has been used by the abortion industry in... um, fertility treatments and in birth control. So they've never acknowledged that it was dangerous until it might save a baby for women who change their mind halfway through the abortion pill procedure and they want to save their unborn child. So what's their evidence that the abortion pill reversal is misinformation? One study. One study is their evidence by Mitchell Creenan, an abortionist, by the way. Can anyone say conflict of interest? In 2019, which Mitchell Creenan claimed he had to suddenly halt when several participants experienced dangerous hemorrhaging that sent them to the hospital. Now, here's the breakdown of that study and how it's built on lies. The only women in their study who went to the emergency room for bleeding were the women who took mifepristone but did not get progesterone which is the abortion pill reversal. So Mitchell Creenan's claim was he had to halt the study because so many women were hemorrhaging. It was so dangerous to continue his study um, evaluating the efficacy of the abortion pill reversal. But the only women who were hemorrhaging and bleeding were the women who took the first regimen of the abortion pill and didn't take the abortion pill reversal. So the study that was used to show how dangerous the abortion pill reversal is actually showed the opposite. 
every woman in the study who got progesterone, over 80% of them, still had living babies and no bleeding, and none of them were harmed. So the Creenan study that attempted to prove that reversal does not work and is dangerous speculated that using only mifeprex and then not using the misoprostol would put women at greater risk of hemorrhage. And they have used this speculation in court against states like Tennessee that have attempted to mandate that information, the information about the reversal, to be included in the informed consent process. So the study showed the exact opposite. Women who took the misoprostol were more than twice as likely to experience hemorrhage as those that did not take it. This is exactly the opposite of the conclusion of the Creenan paper. And then again, this piece on the crisis pregnancy center trap, they make the claim that that CPCs might talk about a link between abortion and breast cancer. That's misinformation, okay? Regarding the link between abortion and the risk of breast cancer, it's actually fairly well documented. Let me give you a brief summary that comes courtesy from, once again, our in-house OBGYN at the show here, Dr. Brent Bowles. From 1957 to 2018, there were at least 76 studies looking at breast cancer risk in women undergoing induced abortion and in women having a spontaneous miscarriage. 60 of the 76 studies show an association with induced abortion and increased risk of breast cancer, with 36% of those being statistically significant to the 95th percentile. There's a report from the National Academy of Science funded by the Packard, Buffett, and Hewlett's that debunked, they claimed, the breast cancer linkage. Okay, so the National Academy of Science, uh, which did a study funded by Packard, uh, Warren Buffett, and Hewlett, right, the Hewlett-Packard, the printers, those billionaires, um, that, that claimed debunked the linkage between abortion and breast cancer. But that study relied on only three on only three of the 75 studies and ignored all 60 of the studies that did show a linkage. So once again, there's your true information on the link between abortion and risk of breast cancer. But anyone who claims to say that is trafficking in misinformation, according to um, New York Magazine. Um, and this is how they smear pregnancy resource centers. Okay. And the last pieces in this New York Magazine handbook on how to get an illegal abortion is called How to Get Help for Your Abortion Inside Abortion Mutual Aid Network. I won't spend much time on these last ones, but basically this provides instructions on how to find people to travel with when getting an abortion away from home. It's the road trip version of a clinic escort, okay? How to procure funds to pay for an abortion. And how to find a babysitter for your children that you didn't kill, that need to be watched because you're away from home traveling to a different state to kill your children's sibling. Incredibly dystopic, Orwellian, disgusting, genocidal evil. The second to last piece is called Don't Trust Do-It-Yourself Abortion Advice on TikTok. This was interesting to me. This was basically where they, they suddenly pretend to care about the risks of various forms of abortion to women and why to avoid them. And they talk about some bad advice on do-it-yourself abortions that TikTok influencers or users have espoused. But they obviously don't care about the health and safety of women seeking abortions. I just proved it to you. RU486, mail order abortions, can't diagnose ectopic pregnancy, can't confirm gestational age, refusing to tell women that their breast cancer risk could be increased by having abortions. They obviously don't care about endangering the lives of women who become just as much of a sacrificial lamb as the unborn child on the altar of abortion access. So this was their article where they pretended to care about the risks of various forms of abortion to women so that they could pontificate about how they care about women. And the last article in this New York Magazine handbook on how to get illegal abortions was called 10 Women 
on getting an abortion in the end days of Roe. And basically, it just highlights the stories of 10 different women who recently got abortions in order to encourage more women to get abortions when Roe versus Wade falls and may be illegal in their state. So th that's your sort of your summary of this New York Magazine handbook in conjunction with the cut on how to get illegal abortions. Peddling in disinformation, peddling in lies, okay, but showing how committed they are to protecting abortion. We have something to learn from them, folks. Are we as committed to protecting the unborn as the other side is to killing them? As Greg Cunningham says, there are more people working full-time to kill babies than there are working full-time to save them. And those that do work to save them, right, uh, it, do so at great expense. Killing babies is very profitable while saving them is very costly. So costly that large numbers of people who say they oppose abortion are not lifting a finger to stop it. Right? That's the problem. The other side is incredibly committed to their ideological assumptions to their belief that the unborn is a non-person that they can kill through all nine months of pregnancy. And boy, do they rally. Boy, do they mobilize. Boy, do they strategize. Rarely do we see the same level of commitment on the side of the pro-life movement, which is a vastly underfunded and understaffed movement when compared with the abortion industry. So what is the solution to this madness, to this new horizon in the abortion wars? The answer has always been the church, right? And if you're not a Christian and you listen to the show, thanks for tuning in, man. But once again, recognize that you're enjoying the fruits of liberty that were only created and protected and preserved because Christians got political in recognition that men and women have natural rights that come from their creator. When the church is mobilized under a common banner that's comfortable with getting uncomfortable in order to love their neighbor through good policies, right? Politics matter because policies matter because people matter. When the church wakes up and does that, that's what changes civilizations. That's what changes countries. That's what abolishes genocides like abortion when the church wakes up. That has always been the solution. So send this to your pastor, your youth pastor, Christian workers. Pray for our country. Pray against the defeat of these demonic individuals. Pray for their salvation. And if you want to book me to come speak in your church to mobilize and inspire the church to stand in this moment, head on over to sethgruber.com. You can sign up for my newsletter, see my speaking schedule. And once again, follow the show on YouTube. Follow me on Instagram, TikTok, uh, Spotify, Twitter, or Facebook to get current updates in the abortion wars. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I'll see you next week. I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. Uh -huh.